Well, an exciting week, mainly because of the USDA report that came out on Friday. And as was said by StoneX, quote, mostly bearish corn and soybean. And it really was. We're going to get in a lot deeper than that and talk about the numbers. Coley and Cavanaugh brought to you each week by the Allen County Farm Bureau. And the Farm Bureau is doing some really interesting stuff lately. One of them is, here in the state of Indiana, a new webinar series designed to engage a variety of membership segments. It happens on the first Friday of each month. It's the First Friday Ag Forum. And it's going to be presented over Zoom on the first Friday of each month, May through December. And the uh, the next installment is coming up on June 2nd from noon to 1 p.m. Great way to keep up with what's going on with the Farm Bureau here in the state. Well, John Cavanaugh, interesting week, you know, because I think even from the very beginning of the week, it seemed like traders were starting to square up positions. But, you know, John, in a lot of ways, it seems like the numbers that we got, and, you know, okay, I'm going with the bearish uh, comment coming out of Stone X, but doesn't it seem to you that the market pretty much was trading the numbers that we're looking at in this report all week long anyway? Yeah, I think so, Rob. I agree with you completely on that. Uh, Stone X said it was a, a bearish report, and I agree. You know, if you take the numbers at face value, I would have to consider it bearish for both corn and soybeans, wheat probably on the neutral side. However, uh, it could have been worse. It could have been a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of think, yeah, I think the numbers that came out have to be construed as in the market already. Now, what the, what were those numbers for this year? USDA increased corn carryover to 1.417, and a month ago was 1.342. If we look ahead to next year, they used a 181.5 yield, and we know about the 92 million planted acres, and so that came out uh, to next year's carryover at 2.222 billion. Right. And that was pretty close to the average guess, frankly. And the whole market was expecting an increase. So big deal. I mean, it could have been that one could have been a whole lot worse. Uh, USDA was very optimistic on corn demand for next year, a little bit more so than I thought they would be. Right. And that was, to me, a little bit of a surprise. Uh, I think it might be a little too high. But then again, who knows? Uh, We're going to find out in the coming year. Soybeans, it really didn't change the old crop carryover, just a few million bushels. Next year, they got it going to 335 million. That compares to this year's 215 million. That's a comfortable carryover. It's not huge. You get up to 400, it's huge. 335, and they're looking at lower exports next year, which I don't agree with. So, no, I, I think the bean number was pretty neutral. What yeah. do you think? One of the things I think is is that uh, you're not normally on time, but you're certainly ahead of your time, and you displayed <laughs> that three weeks ago when you were putting an equation together, and everybody was talking about tight supplies and the prices were up. The question that we were kind of posing in our conversation conversations here on the program were, are these prices going to stay this high? And I think both of us, I mean, this started way back at the farm show at the Coliseum in January. We were saying, no, there aren't a lot of reasons why these prices are going to continue to be this high. And uh, you put together a math equation based on pretty much the numbers that we saw in the report coming out on Friday. And three weeks ago, you were talking about this, and all of a sudden, everybody's talking about that equation. Uh, You were ahead of the curve by quite a bit, and there are just a lot of things that suggest that these prices are going to drop. Now, the prices that came out, and I want you to reflect on these, USDA put the price for corn for new crop going to be $4.80. 
And for beans, they put that at $12.10. How are you feeling about those numbers? Well, I think they're too low, given the carryout projections that they made. One of these carryouts, uh, I realize that remains, of course, to be seen. It depends upon the weather and how demand goes and what happens in China, et cetera. But with the carryover numbers they came out with, I think their price projections are on the low side. In fact, I'll go so far as to say that given those carryout projections, I think the worst is over for a while. You know, I mean, we're going to have to wait and see how the weather goes this summer. That's crucial, always is. But I think maybe I'm not saying that we're going to go any higher. I'm not saying we're going a lot lower. I just think we're going to stabilize that. You talk about the weather, and it's, it's pretty interesting because, you know, a lot of people, you'll talk about El Nino, and they'll kind of scoff at it and say, oh, yeah, fool you on that weather business. But uh, all of a sudden, it seems to me, as you watch the market throughout the course of the week, that, you know, some of the more well-respected analysts are starting to talk about El Nino, particularly since only a few uh, few weeks ago at this point, I mean, the beginning of April, the chance of El Nino developing this growing season was 60% neutral. Neutral, okay? And now it's at like 80% for May, June, and July that it's absolutely going to happen. And by September, it goes up to 90%. So if this trend of poor export sales continues and El Nino gives us a mild growing season and we achieve trend line yields, back to your math equation, <laughs> Any guess where corn and soybean prices could, could go? Oh, boy. Well, you know, when you start talking about El Nino, you really are talking about having favorable weather for growing the crop. And if that happens, maybe we'll exceed our trend line yields. And now we get very bearish again. So uh, I don't want to make any guesses at the moment because weather is so terribly variable. Yeah. But when you talk El Nino, you got to start thinking about the possibility of having above trend yield, and that could certainly send us into a bearish spiral uh, below where we are now. But who knows? You can't make any reasonable guesses today. This is the middle of May. We've got to wait and see what happens yeah. before we get out into June, July, and August. Yeah. You know, so I'm going to hold back on that, and I'm going to stick with my ideas that prices are going to stabilize at least for the next few weeks. I won't go past that. And then, of course, again – our focus is all on the weather, 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 and to a certain degree, whatever China does and what happens in uh, Ukraine, et cetera. So those yeah. are going to be your key points uh, over the next few months. Well, and on the weather, I just uh, it just seemed that a lot of the market was all of a sudden starting to buy into the El Nino thing and uh, a good growing season. But when you talk about weather, boy, one of the ones, and you've talked about it so many times, Argentina really got their butt kicked when it comes to soybeans. <laughs> and, you know, the deal is, is that you and I have talked about this this past week uh, about the fact that Argentina, a lot of those analytic firms that have people on the ground have been talking about that soybean crop dropping down into the 21, 22 range. Bit of a surprise to see USDA come out unchanged over last month at 27. That's a shock. I'm not sure where USDA is coming from when it comes to Argentina. They did not change the corn or soybean production in Argentina from a month ago at 27 million. And the rest of the world is somewhere around 21 to 24 million. I'm not talking about a few people. I'm talking about everybody <laughs> yeah, else. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then so it, I think they're just flat missing that one. And then we've heard all of the news about how bad that soybean crop is. We've, we've, I'll bet you that the news reports easily four to one against reports about Brazil's corn crop being better than expected. But, but even that, so 
Here's USDA leaves the Argentine soybean crop unchanged, but then they boost the Brazilian corn crop by what, $5 million? That was a mild surprise there that they upped the Brazilian corn production, anticipating that uh, Safrina is going to come in uh, bigger than expected. That's the second corn crop, which frankly accounts for about 75% of the total production. And I just heard this week that the tropical rains that ex- expected for Brazil over the next few weeks are disappearing and that the dryness in Brazil is expanding, which means that the Safrina corn crop could still get hurt because they're starting to go mm. through pollination now. If it stays dry and that dryness expands, that's going to cut into production and USDA raise production. So let's watch that one. Yeah. How about this planning progress? Isn't it kind of on the phenomenal side with a few exceptions? Oh, absolutely. I was talking to a farmer Thursday afternoon and he said, yep, finishing up corn today and about 70% done on my soybeans. So it's going to be interesting to see what everything looks like on Monday. It looks like we're going to get some rain coming into the state, particularly in the northern part of the state, and that will curtail things. And then, of course, hey, got to get off the tractor for a little while and celebrate Mom for Mother's Day. But it, it looks like next week, if you've got anything left, it looks like next week uh, guys are going to get a lot of stuff done. Yeah, it sure looks that way. And looking at what happened last week, you know that two states that are leading to the most ahead of uh, planning progress than normal happened to be Iowa and Illinois, which are the two largest corn-producing states. And Iowa planted uh, the week before this past week. They planted in one week 41% of their corn crop. And I think Illinois got close to that, too. They got got around somewhere between 35 and 40%. Man, they had just been going to town. Problems in uh, the Dakotas, big problems, especially in North Dakota. And what's happened to you guys in Ohio? Ohio is running way behind Norman. I was surprised by that. Yo, I was shocked. I had no idea that Ohio was that far behind where even Indiana is. And Indiana's ahead of average, but not a lot ahead of average. But Ohio's way behind. So what's going on in Ohio? Hard to know. Well, here we are, end of the program, time for the final word. And, of course, that's always on you because you (laughs) always pretty much demand to have a final word. What's on your mind this week? You're you're picking on me again. Yes, I am. (laughs) Uh, How about palm oil? You call me the palm oil king. I don't know how I got that title. You (laughs) always know what's going on with it. That's why you're the (laughs) palm oil. (laughs) Hey, remember, it's the largest consumed vegetable oil in the world, so it is important. Now, I just saw an article about palm oil inventories are down to an 11-month low. Demand has fallen back. Production fell back as well. Now they're getting very tight on the supplies, and a big pickup in demand is being seen coming because of the low prices. And this is considered bullish to uh, palm oil and other vegetable oils in the coming several weeks, and that could give soybeans prices a little stimulation too. Hmm. Thank you, John Cavanaugh. Coley and Cavanaugh brought to you each week by the Allen County Farm Bureau. And I have said it over and over again. The Farm Bureau has been very busy just coming off of the legislative session here in the state of Indiana and pretty proud of some nice wins for farm families across the state. But they've also got something coming up that's worth noting, and that is the new webinar series designed to engage a variety of membership segments and issues. The First Friday Ag Forum presented over Zoom on the first Friday of each month. And the next installment coming up on June 2nd at 1 p.m. These are the kinds of things your Farm Bureau is doing to keep all farm families connected. And the only way it's possible is with your support. You can do that with a membership. Go online to it pays to be a member.org. Podcasts by Federated Media.